Let's turn to Colossians to begin. Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the, and we'll continue on, but I, I want to just draw your attention to something that was upon the heart of Paul. Paul had the care of the churches in mind. That was one of the things he said, the different difficulties that Paul had to endure, the different things that happened in his life, and he lists those, and then he says, and the cares of all the churches. And, of course, that's pro- probably a very broad statement, but one of the things that was on the, the, par- the heart of the Apostle Paul was that, as in verse 2, the attaining to all riches, so that when Paul went and he established a church, which meant that those he preached to came to Jesus Christ. They received Christ as their Savior. That was not the end of it as far as Paul was concerned. That was the beginning. And he wanted and he prayed this uh, for the church in Galatia and, and especially in Ephesians. He wanted them to attain riches. See, church, coming to church is all good. But man has made church tradition. It becomes something that you do maybe Sunday morning. Uh, a lot of people that I used to know, they would go to church Easter and Christmas, and that was about it, and they felt obligated, or they may wanted to, to go to see the choir or whatever, you know, candlelight service. But Paul was interested in something much different. He wanted the riches of Christ to be deposited in the people, and he wanted them to attain to something. Uh, religion in and of itself does not produce much. But a relationship with Jesus Christ is something quite different. It is something initially that we do, and after that it is a walk, it is a direction, it is to attain something, and that is the riches of Jesus Christ. And that will entail different things for different people. You will have to experience certain things and go through certain things that maybe the person next to you may not have to. So all that is determined by the will and purpose of God. Circumstances, whether they are, are okay, whether they are not so good, or whether they are terrible, can produce if our heart is toward the Lord and our heart is right before him and and we want to be like Jesus, can produce something within the person that nothing else can. And so he begins with this, uh, to the attaining of all riches of the full assurance of understanding to to the knowledge of the mystery of God. And so he, he's looking at knowledge, and when he says knowledge, I believe he's talking about uh, the wisdom of God, which we're going to look at in a little bit. And I want to read this verse from the Amplified, that they may come to have all abounding wealth. 
that they may come to have. He doesn't say that they definitely will have, but they may come to have all abounding wealth. So there is a richness, not in religion, there is a richness in Christ, and there is an abounding to wealth in Christ that many in Christianity miss. Uh, they put before them many different things. One of them is works. Now, works are good. You, know, you can't you know, say something demeaning about works. Works are in the Bible. But the works, along with many different things we experience, are opportunities for us to attain something. And that is, first of all, the richness of Christ, that he can take that and place that in our hearts so that when we come to church or we go to our job or wherever we are, we have something deposited within us, within us that religion can't put there, but Jesus Christ himself can put there. And there is an attaining to wisdom also, because wisdom, not the wisdom of this world, like Paul says to the Corinthians, but the wisdom that is from God will help us to see certain things, will help us to navigate this life. See, the world can't help you navigate certain things because they will react in a totally different way uh, for various reasons than the Christian should. The Christian should act a certain way to bring more of the wealth, more of the character, more of Christ into their personal life, into their heart, into their inner being. And so there is an attaining to wisdom, and I'll, I'll get to this in a minute, because the wisdom of God... Uh, there's one aspect of wisdom that we know, but many times we do not avail ourselves of that wisdom, and that wisdom will be what helps us to attain the riches of Christ. And we'll look at that in a little bit, but I want to read this from the Amplified. That they may come to have all the abounding wealth, and that they may become progressively more intimately acquainted with and may know more definitely and accurately through the mystic secret of God, which is Christ the Anointed One. So he's talking about knowing Christ in a more intimate way, knowing Christ in this relationship so that he can bring the wisdom of God to us, and he can bring the richness of God, or you could say the richness of Christ and the wisdom of Christ, to us personally. And we will need it, and we do need it. Now, the, the word mystery, the mystery of the plan of God, Paul says, not in those exact words, but he talks about the mystery, meaning various different things in the Bible. One of them was the, the mystery that God would bring the Gentiles into this relationship with him that the Jews were to be in. And, and you know that the Jews rejected 
in, um, Christ, uh, Peter preached to the circumcision, and a handful came. Paul preached at first to the circumcision, then he turned to the Gentiles. And he, he brings this, and, and you can find this in a few scriptures in the Old Testament, where it talks about that God would go to the Gentiles. The plan of salvation would move toward the Gentiles, because that was something different, that was something new, and that was a mystery hidden in God or in Christ that was revealed when Christ died and he arose, and he, he, uh, before he ascended, he came to the, his disciples and so forth. But that mystery that God would come to you, to you, you who were not born a Jew, who were outside uh, of the promise, as he says, that you were outside of the commonwealth of Israel. Now, if I would say, what is the commonwealth of Pennsylvania, what would you say? You would say, well, you go to Harrisburg, and it's the taxes and all this. Well, there is a richness in God, in Christ. And, and he says that it was a commonwealth of Israel. So when you go through the Old Testament and you see the prophet Jeremiah, you see uh, Daniel, you see Joseph, uh, you see Zechariah, you see these different prophets, they all had a wealth or a richness in God. And he says this was the common wealth of Israel, not some physical tax-based you know, revenue that they accrue, but it was a common wealth that they had within them that they fulfilled uh, a certain function as a prophet or as a judge or, or whatever. And so that common wealth of Israel was not for the Gentiles. Now, whenever Jesus Christ died, that mystery that God had hidden now that commonwealth that was Israel's became a commonwealth of whosoever will, so that the Jews could respond, the Gentiles could respond, and in Christ there is neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, for all are one in Christ. And all have the ability, not within ourselves, but we all have the opportunity is probably a better word to, to use. We all have the opportunity to attain to the richness that Christ has for you and I. See, we all have that opportunity. Now, will you, will I direct my life in a way to obtain some of the riches and the wealth that Christ has for me? Or will I say, well, you know what? I'm not too interested in church, and I'm not going to go to church, because church, there's a bunch of hypocrites. Well, that may be true. There are hypocrites everywhere, in every walk of life, including in churches sometimes. But that's not a reason for not going to church. That's an excuse. Well, I don't really want to go. Reading the Bible, I really don't feel like reading the Bible. Or I don't feel like praying to the Lord. Well, because sometimes, you know, we're lazy. You know, we want to do our own thing. We have our own interest. And see, if we have our own interest and we do our own thing, and that's all we, we think about, and, you know, I want to do this, you know, whatever I do, this is my hobby, this is my activity, I like to do this. If, if I am caught up in that or anyone's caught up in that, then 
the attaining to the riches of Christ will be you know, left aside, it will be dropped on the ground, it will, be, it will be placed aside by us, by me, by whomever. But the Lord does not want that to be. That's why you, you hear this phrase in the scriptures many times, whosoever will, let him come. Whosoever will, whosoever will. Well, so that means that it's not on the part of God it's on the part of the individual that must say, I will and I desire, Lord, and I want to receive the riches that you have for me personally for my life. Now in Mark, you don't have to turn there. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. The disciples said to Jesus, they said, Jesus, now they, they were walking with him. They're very close with Jesus. They're, they're living in the same places that Jesus, he, he sleeps wherever he sleeps, and they're with him. And they said, Jesus, why is it? Have you ever, <laughs> have you ever said that to Jesus? Jesus, why is it? <laughs> why is it that you're speaking in parables all the time? And you're not speaking plainly. He says, well, the reason I'm doing that is because for those who don't have a desire and don't have a heart for God, those who are outside, everything is spoken in parables so that they, they won't perceive and they won't understand. He says, but the word of God is for you. So... The Lord is saying, those that have a specific type of heart, their heart is going to keep them on the outside. But because you have followed me and you have a desire for me, I will reveal to you the parable, the parables, whatever it may be. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Verse 6, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. The King James says perfect. The word is teleos, it means mature. Among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. So there is a, a hidden wisdom. And Paul says that his hidden wisdom is for your glory. So if it's hidden, so if I would take something up here and, and I would drop a towel over it, for example, and, and you didn't see what the object was, how would you know what it is? I mean, you could guess, you could guess it's this, it's that, or whatever, but you wouldn't know what was under the towel. Now, God has covered certain things up, certain truth he has covered, and he says that this is a, a hidden 
wisdom. And the hidden wisdom is hidden for those who have the certain heart condition that have a desire for God, that want God, and then when they come with a certain heart condition, he lifts up the towel, so to speak, and now that which is hidden can be seen. God does not hide things for no purpose. I have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, but I have revealed them unto babes. He's talking about a heart condition. A babe that has a heart that is soft before God. And so God hides things, waiting for the individual who will come with a certain heart condition, and when he sees that heart condition in his time, he takes what is hidden and he picks that up now by the Spirit of God and he reveals that thing. So Paul says the hidden wisdom is for our glory. That's why it's hidden. So there you go. And we're, we're going to look at this in a minute. You know, what is the hidden wisdom? I want to show you in a little bit here, but just hold your place there and go to 1 Corinthians 1, 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Now, not, it doesn't mean that God is foolish. It means that what God does in the eyes of men does not make sense many times, or most of the times, and that which men consider foolishness is the wisdom of God. It's wiser than men. For example, if you want to live, you must die. Well, that doesn't make sense in the natural, does it? Loss is gain. Well, that doesn't make sense in the natural. You must lose your life to save it. See, that, people say, is foolish. So Paul says, the foolishness of God, or these foolish things that people consider are foolish, are wiser than men. Why? Because those very things, those kingdom principles, those that move in the Bible, that if we line up with them, what happens is God can take the riches of Christ and start to put them in the individual's heart and life. That's why he says this is a mystery. Jesus Christ. How is it that when you received Jesus Christ that there was a change in your life? How did that happen? I don't know. I know it happened. Or now that you've been a Christian and you're walking with him, how does the Lord reveal and show you certain things pertaining to your heart and life or pertaining to something in the Bible? He takes it and the Spirit of God reveals something that you read ten times. I've told you this probably before. My mother made it one of her ritualistic things. She would read the Bible from cover to cover once a year. She did this for 25 years. 25 years. Someone came and preached the gospel that you must receive Christ as your Savior. And she says, well, why not? I'll do that. So, you know, we believe in Jesus. So we, we received Christ at that time. She read the Bible from that point when we got saved. It was in May for one year. 
And she said she learned more in one year of reading the Bible than she did in 25 years of reading the Bible 25 times. Why? Because there was a change inside, there was a change in the individual's heart, in her heart. So now she has become like a little babe, she's teachable, she, she was desiring the Lord, and now he begins to put some of his riches over the course of time in the life of the person. Now back in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, Well, just back to verse 7. But we speak, verse 7, the wisdom of God in a mystery, the gospel. When you, when you say something about the gospel, sometimes to people, it's a mystery to them. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, verse 9. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed, that's apocalypto, or apocalypto, apocalypto in the Greek. God has revealed them to us through his spirit. So the wisdom of God that he has ordained for your glory he will come in your life personally, in your circumstances, and he will begin to reveal his wisdom. Now, in our circumstances, it is normal for us to reason. You realize that you all have minds, and we all think. We all think. That's what God gave us a mind to think. But... Natural thinking and natural reasoning will not give us answers in life's circumstances. Oh, they'll give us an answer that we want to hear. They'll give us a direction maybe that we want to go. But as far as the wisdom of God, natural reasoning and thinking is not going to give us the correct answer and the correct direction for our life. So in, in this verse, verse um, 10, he says, But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. What is them? Well, the Scriptures in certain places, yes. But more specifically, God will reveal to you and I the hidden wisdom that he has ordained for you and I for our glory in a situation. So okay, here I'm in a certain circumstance, should I do this, should I do that, should I go here, should I go there, what should I do? And many of us come to that point many times, and we say, well, I really don't know what to do with this. And we all, we all, at times, come to that. And he says, but he has revealed them to us by his Spirit. If we wait on God and wait for him in our situation. The hidden wisdom, and the hidden wisdom is that which will help us and give us the proper direction to go and the proper thing to do in our circumstance. 
that hidden wisdom will be revealed to us because we are waiting and because we want the Lord. We don't want to decide ourselves. We want the Lord. And so the hidden wisdom is ordained for your glory. So now, once he shows you and I, well, this is my wisdom for you in this situation. Once he shows us that, now we have a choice. <clears throat> we can either walk in what he's showing us, or we can walk in what we want. If we, as Christians, if we walk in what we want, then that hidden wisdom did not produce glory in us. But if we walk in the wisdom that God shows us for our life, then his glory will be deposited unbeknownst to us within us. Now remember Jonah. Jonah. God called Jonah to preach to Nineveh. We all know the story. And when God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh, you have to understand, you ever think, why did Jonah resist so much? Why did he just go ahead and, and do it? If you read the book of Jonah and you see some of the things that, that happened to him personally, you say, man, he was a prophet? And yet, he turned, he was fighting with the Lord, he, he, because of the presence of the Lord, Jonah fled. He went the other way. Jonah had the word of God to give to Nineveh. But Nineveh, the Ninevites, uh, and probably, we don't know the background, you see, but the Ninevites were brutal people. When they would war, they would go in, they would wipe people out, they would take the women, they would rape them, they would torture the men, they would do all kind of grotesque things, they would put stakes in the city gates, hang them, impale them on, they would do all kinds of crazy things. And so it would be easy to hate the Ninevites, especially if somebody in your family was impaled, right? You'd have to get over that. Well, there was something in the background here that Jonah had this thing against the Ninevites. He, he hated them. And he did not want to go, even being a prophet, he did not want to go and preach to the Ninevites. Now, if you read the book of Jonah, it's the only book in the Bible that at the very end, that God is reasoning with him. Even though he went and he spent three days and three nights in the, in the belly of the whale, God says God spoke to the whale and the whale vomited him up on the shore. Now he's going to go because he really didn't have a choice, if you understand. He went, he preached, and that which he did not want to happen, the salvation of the Ninevites, happened. And so as you progress into the latter end of the, the last chapter of Jonah, the third chapter, you see God reasoning with Jonah. Now, going and preaching to the Ninevites was the hidden wisdom of God that the prophet did not see. He saw, well, I, I don't want them to be saved. I don't want them to respond to the gospel because I hate them. I don't like them. But the hidden wisdom of God was, first of all, to bring the Ninevites to salvation. Secondly, 
It was to do a work in the heart and life of Jonah that was there that he was not aware of until God told him to go preach to the Ninevites. So when Jonah, at the very end, it's the only book in the Bible that ends like abruptly, right in the middle of something. And it, it leaves you wondering, did Jonah soften his heart and listen to God? And did that hidden wisdom now do something in him for, for put the glory of God in him? Or, or did he struggle and not? So, see, a Christian can have the wisdom of God in a circumstance and not follow through with that, and it brings no glory to them. Now, in Colossians 2, hold your place in, in 1 Corinthians. Colossians 2, 3. How important is having a relationship with Jesus Christ? Now, we we under, understate that. See, I'm not talking about just going to church. I'm not talking about religion or religious activities. I'm talking about having a personal relationship, you and Jesus Christ, that is available to every man, whosoever will let him come and drink of the water of life freely. And so we are to come. Every man has the opportunity. Okay, so you come to the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. We know we're sinners. I've sinned against you. Forgive me. Today, Lord, I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. I believe you are the Son of God and you died for my sins. Now, I said a prayer similar to that when I first came to Christ. See, that becomes a beginning for us, and, and now we have this opportunity to draw closer to Jesus. And in Colossians 2, verse 3, it says, In whom, meaning in Christ, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So, when you receive Christ, you are in Him. This is a spiritual thing. You are in Him, and now you have available to you all the wisdom and knowledge of Christ that's available. All the riches of Christ available. Now, we won't attain to all that He has, but he has purpose that you and I attain to something, to some degree of richness. To some degree, as you see in um, Galatians, the uh, fruit of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, you know, patience, whatever. We are to attain to some of that. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, But of him, the Father, you, Christian, you who have responded to the gospel, you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us, or unto us, wisdom, the wisdom of God. So the Lord, that's talking about 
possessing certain characteristics. See, the Lord Jesus Christ has certain characteristics that he possesses, and he has become to you wisdom. But, remember, that, that, his, that wisdom is hidden. All the treasures of wisdom are hidden in him. But we must respond to him in this one-on-one -on -one relationship. See, we must have a heart that says, Jesus, I want you, not my own way, uh, not my will, but yours be done. See, there, there, there is to be a response in us. Uh, our hearts must come down. The world, when you go out into the world, the world, everything is um, orchestrated in a way to lift man up in pride. Now, you might not believe that, but you, know, you can just look. You know, it's just about in every area. You can go and just look in sports. Everybody wants to be lifted up, and I'm number one, and I'm the best. <laughs> number one. Things are lifting man up. But Jesus, who is different, he, he, he was humble and gentle. He wants to bring man down. Where? To where? To where he lives, being a servant, to be, being lowly, being down here. And so the Lord wants you and I to come down because when we come down, we have a heart, we will have a heart like a babe, like a child, a soft heart. And a soft heart is what will make possible the riches of Christ being deposited within us. It doesn't matter how old we are. It matters the heart condition we have. And many times, you know, when children, when you can reach a child when they're young is the best because their hearts are softer. Many times when people grow older or are approaching their latter years, because of their different experiences in life, the different circumstances and different things that have gone on over the years, maybe um, they've been rejected in their family or you know, abused or whatever it may be, these things tend to harden the heart of the individual. And I remember uh, my, my one grandfather was about as tough as anybody could be. I could tell you stories about him. He was a rough individual, rough and tough. He was an alcoholic. He went to the bars all the time and, and didn't buy shoelaces for... His, his children's shoes, spend the money. But I remember when he was dying, that he had this tumor grow out of his neck, and the thing was the size of a softball, if not bigger. And I remember I was a young, young child, I was about 12, and my, my grandmother and grandfather's bedroom was next to mine. We lived in the same home. And... I remember passing in the hallway and looking in, and my grandmother was there, and my, my mother or my uncle, I don't remember. And I remember hearing my grandfather, who was tough and hardened to the core. I remember hearing him 
bemoan the life he lived. Saying, I wish I could live my life over. I wish I could live it over because of the different things that he did and how he lived. And he was even crying. I wish I could do it over. But see, there's no doing it over. There's no doing it over. And it's probably one of the reasons Paul says death is yours. Because for, for many people, not everyone, but a lot of people, when they get to the end, it gets them thinking about what's going to happen when I die. And so we don't want to have a heart like that. We want to have a heart that is soft here and now. Now. Not when we're laying in a bed ready to pass on to the next uh, area of life or death. There's, there's just too much at stake. Turn to 2 Samuel. I don't know if I'm going to have time for this. Um, let's just read this and maybe we'll close with this. 2 Samuel chapter 16. <clears throat> now, you're familiar with uh, Samuel and how Saul was hunting down David in 1 Samuel and so forth. And, and then at a point in time later in 2 Samuel, how um, the son of, of Samuel was uh, Absalom, uh, the son of um, David was Absalom, and he took, he took the kingdom, he took the, the throne, and David was kind of like on the outside. That's the setting here for this verse. Second uh, Samuel 16, verse 5. Now when King David came to Behoram, there was a man from the family of the house of Saul. Remember, Saul, Saul's heart was not right before the Lord, and, and the Lord says, I have taken the kingdom from you, and I'm giving it to another. And that other was David. So there was this thing between Saul and David, Saul wanted to kill David. So this man here was of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera, coming from there. He came out cursing continually as, as he came, as David came. So here's this man, Shimei. He sees David. David's with some of his men, some of his, his warriors, and, and Shimei is cursing and cursing and cursing at David. If that's not bad enough, verse 6, And he threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. Now David had the power here to tell his mighty men, Go and slay that dog. He has no right saying that. He could do it. And these men were willing, willing, cut him up. So here's David in this situation. 
Now, what is the wisdom of God in this? Now, there are times when the wisdom of God is, you know, go take them out. As we saw with, in, in the Old Testament with Balaam. They went in and they killed the, 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 um, the people and they killed Balaam. So what is the wisdom of God in this situation? That's what David needs to know. And once he, he knows that, he has a choice. Either he's going to walk in the wisdom of God or he's going to walk in what he wants. Verse uh, 7. Also, Shimei said thus when he cursed, Come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul, and he may be talking about Abner, I don't know, in whose place you have reigned, and the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. So now you are caught in your own evil. This is what he's telling David. Because you are a bloodthirsty man. Then Abishai, now Abishai is one of these warriors here with David. He's listening to the same thing David's listening. He's hearing this, this man, Shimei, curse from Saul's house, curse him. So Abishai said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Please, please let me go over and take off his head. So David didn't even have to solicit this. Um, Abishai says, please let me go over and shut him up. Has anybody ever said anything to you that you didn't like? Has anybody at work ever said something directly to you and you really didn't like it and you wanted to just give them a piece of your mind? You wanted to just cut them up, cut their head off. <laughs> But what's the wisdom of God? The wisdom of God could be you answer. Remember in, in, in Proverbs it says, don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. And next verse says, answer a fool according to his folly. Well, what are you going to do? There's a direct opposite. Well, you need the wisdom of God, the hidden wisdom of Christ, to tell you whether to answer a fool or not to answer a fool. See, so... The dependency now is not on what I think. See, because our emotions and our anger will say, oh, let's just cut off his head. Let's just do him in. I'm sick and tired of this. He said these things to me for the last time. Well, that's our tendency. But what is the wisdom of God? See, that is what should be determining what we do. And if it is determining and we do what the wisdom of God is, then it is ordained for our glory. Verse 9, then Abishai, oh, we read that. Please let me go over and take off his head. But the king said, what have I to do with you? And he's talking to this, this mighty man next to him, Abishai. So let him curse, because the Lord has said to him, curse David. David recognized something. He recognized that even though this man Shimei was cursing him that this was a test from the Lord. Let him curse. Let him curse. The Lord has had him curse. Let him curse. See, it's not touching him on the inside. And I remember one time, see, we don't know what's in us. 
we don't know what reaction will come out of us many times until the situation is upon us. And the Lord knows that. So this, this, one, this one individual, didn't know him from anyone, where I was, I was walking, and I stopped, and this individual passed me and turned to me and spit right in my face. Well, now what are you going to do? I did nothing, didn't say anything to him, didn't provoke him. I know, and I just put my head down. He walked past. And I knew that I knew that I knew in my spirit that I was to receive that from the Lord. Now, you may not understand that. God was testing the metal or the character of my life in that. Because I know how I was before. I would have smacked him. But, well, I've been a Christian now a long time. The Lord hopefully has made some progress in some areas. And so this man spits in my face, and I just put my head down, and I said, I lied. I said, Lord, you are something. You are something. And so I could have said, like uh, Abishai, Let me take off his head. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Have you ever taken off somebody's head? <laughs> oh, yes. Now we're getting down to where we live. See, what is the wisdom of God? David recognized that the wisdom of God in this situation was not, okay, Abishai, take off his head, that that the dog that's cursing me. See, none of that touched David in here. The wisdom of God was revealed, and David says, God has caused him to curse me, that's okay. And when he did that, and he didn't respond the way Abishai wanted to, that hidden wisdom was revealed to him, and that was ordained for his glory. And what I mean by that is that now something more has done, been done as far as the work of God, the character of God in his heart and life. See, Jonah, you know, he depended on his own wisdom. We can depend on our own wisdom. So what are we going to do? Are we going to depend on the wisdom of God? We depend on our own wisdom. Well, I, w I would like to depend on the wisdom of God, but I don't know it. Well, if you don't know it, you wait. You know what? You just wait. And the wisdom of God will be revealed. And even if you are pressured and you have to make a decision, you pray and you say, Lord, you see my heart. I want to make the right choice here. I don't see the hidden wisdom yet. And then you go ahead and you make the choice. If you do that, no matter what choice you make, God will turn it to your good. It's like a win-win situation. You walk with God. It's not a losing situation. It is a win-win situation always. Always. But see, the problem is, and we'll close with this, the problem is, will we wait for Him? Will we wait until... The hidden wisdom 
that God has hidden, that is ordained for your glory, will we wait until he takes the towel off or the cover off of that and show us what it is? If we can wait, then that, that whole thing, and we, we do what he's showing us, that whole thing will be ordained for our glory. It will take some of the riches of Christ and he will deposit that in you. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. None less than a miracle. But he will do that for us as long as we, we want the hidden wisdom and respond to him.